0: And then I jump on the scales every week, and you know the first week you lose a couple of kilos. You go, oh, you know, just fluid or you know whatever. You know, beginner's luck and lots of stuff. I just kept losing every week and every week. And uh, and then I started to get more energetic. I slept better. I was. I stopped snoring. I, uh, you know, I, my exercise tolerance improved. My concentration improved. Anyway, I felt. Uh, I felt great. And uh, at the end of the thirteen weeks, I jumped on the scales again, and I'd lost thirteen kilograms in thirteen weeks. Wow. Hadn't been hungry once. Eaten really well. Eaten really all the, all the good stuff. Good yeah, food, the
1: steaks and
0: yeah. Did my bloods, and every one of my metabolic abnormalities had returned to me. No one's
2: ever lucky. I think the only lucky you get in life is where you're born, and then you make the rest. Stick around. It's going to be a good ride. Oh, I'm a veggie, mate. Not a vegan. Let's let's get that straight. I'm a pescatarian. What's that? Oh, you eat fish. Eat fish and veg, which there's some benefits. I heard a lot of benefits. Well, For me, I lost weight. Is that just because you really liked fish? Love seafood. Loves me meat too, though. Yeah, and did away with it. Yeah. But as I just heard, meat's still good for
1: you. What made you think it was <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, yeah. what made you think it wasn't? You get one life, mate. One chance. Oh. You just chance, heard someone down the footy club say meat's no life. good, so you stopped eating. <laughs>
2: well, I had a trainer, a personal trainer, who was a vegan. Oh, you And he's, he's like this. Yeah, well, he's like, how you like this? And then he explained it to me, so I, he didn't I was influenced meat. by
3: that. Yeah. And then thought, okay. I reckon you're an easy target. I know, you are. Like, so, so you go to the restaurant. you the gun t- show. A T-bone's <laughs> on the menu and, nah, got to keep scrolling. The ribeye, keep scrolling. Where's have seen one the ca- gun show all the of a cauliflower sudden? patty with a bit of... <laughs> the issue is the big, big chips <laughs> you have with it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, I'm copping well, it from no. the sidelines, too. <laughs> get, a,
3: get a bit of food food envy.
2: I'm getting back on the meat, I think. <laughs> well, you should. Um, we'll, see. we'll find sneak out it by in, the end of
1: today.
3: In once a week. Once a week. A little ribeye. That,
1: yeah. that first sitting's going to upset the tummy a little bit.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Doctors orders. Yeah, doc. Should we introduce him? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, no, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the pot everyone. We are the little fish and we speak to the big fish about town each and every week. We talk about property, development, construction, mindset, business. We get as much value to you guys as possible. Please like, share, subscribe, all that sort of stuff. Please tell your family, your friends, anyone that's going to get value out of it, please loop them in. Today's guest has been sitting at the very top of the Australian sporting landscape for decades. He's rubbed shoulders and shared the locker room and been team doctor to the world's most elite sporting people and teams, including pretty much every Australian national and even Olympic sporting teams from swimming, hockey, athletics, soccer, cricket, you name it. His career's taken him from Collingwood Football Club, Melbourne Football Club here in the AFL, all the way to Liverpool in the English Premier League. One of the most respected leaders in sports medicine all around the globe, having co-authored what is regarded as the Bible of sports medicine. And to top it all off, he's been awarded the Order of Australia Medal for service to sports medicine. Doesn't get much bigger, I don't think, boys. Big. Oh, man, he's done a bit. (laughs) All right, let's give it up for Peter Brookner. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Dr. Peter Brookner.
2: I get doc. Hey,
0: guys. How are you?
3: you? Hey, how are you, mate? Hey, boys.
0: Very good. Thanks for having me.
3: Oh, no drums. Just grab your sorry your headphones there, Pete. Headphones. Oh, no. Now what are we? Are we Doctor? Are we Peter? Peter. Pistol. Peter. Pistol. Peter. Peter. We've got two Peters on the set. <laughs> yep. So you're PK today.
0: Well, actually, everyone calls me Brookie. So oh, you yeah. call me Brookie. I like Brookie. I, I, I love started that. at school as Brookie, and I've been Brookie ever since. So uh, it's not very sophisticated, is it? But uh, you know, I like it. It's all right. Yeah.
2: Was that around the world? Over in England, were they calling you <laughs> yeah, Brookie? Were they?
0: Yeah, yeah. They all call me Brookie.
2: Yeah. Nice. Yeah,
0: yeah. Or Doc. A lot of, I mean, you know, athletes are funny, you know, they, they they take the easy way out. So they, you know, they can't remember all the doctor's names. So they just call every doctor Doc. Doc.
2: No, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh doc, oh doc. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we've only got one cameraman. We call him me. We can't remember his name. So, <laughs> <laughs> so well, we going?
1: Uh, that's it. Now, Pete, culture. First, I oh, actually, before I get into the culture, sports science. So I'm confident. Back in the eighties when you would have started your professional career, science was a thing. But sports science, was that was that something back then that was uh that that was, you know, that that you were aspiring to become, or is it just a wave that you jumped on and, and you found yourself here?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, life's all about timing, isn't it, really? Um and yeah, I guess I was I was lucky in that uh when I'd sort of, you know, did medicine and, and finished university and, and so on, there was Probably before then, you know, sports medicine, uh, say from the medical side of it, didn't really exist as a profession, and uh, there was no one doing like full-time sports medicine. So you know, the, the club doctor, you know, was the best mate of the uh, the president. He might have been a uh, an eye specialist, or something yeah. like that, you know, and uh, he just uh, came along on a Saturday and uh, you know um, did what he had to do, but. Um, Sort of in the in the eighties, really, uh, things started to to get interesting, and I guess there was a demand from uh, from both professional sports people, but also from the serious amateur sports person who wanted uh, you know a, a better level of uh, of treatment. And um, so back in the early days, you know, anyone could put up their sign, any GP or they could put up the sign outside their uh, you know their. They practice saying sports medicine, you know, and all that meant is that you know they'd got along to watch their kid play football once or something like that, <laughs> you know, and pick someone up off the ground, and there was no way of telling who was qualified and who wasn't. So a bunch of us sort of got together and uh, and basically created a profession, and we created a specialty in, in sports medicine, which is the was uh, is the first one really that's uh, been done in the world, and uh, and now there's a there's a career path for a for a doctor to become a, a sport what we call a sport and exercise medicine physician. And uh, and that's the same sort of way as you become an orthopedic surgeon or a, or a cardiologist so or something a specialist. like that. So things have really changed in the in the last sort of you know, 30 uh, odd years. <laughs> well, that's back in the
2: day, they were having time. smokes and beers at halftime, <laughs> were they? Well, <laughs> that's right. You know,
0: I, I remember uh, you one particularly uh, cold day when when uh, someone came out with a uh, with a, a, a bottle of whiskey and. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and Gave everyone a little nip, and uh, (laughs) I can't remember what happened in the last quarter, but uh, we certainly enjoyed it anyway. But, um, (laughs) yeah, look, things have changed changed a lot uh, in that time, and uh – and, yeah, we had the old trainers who, you know, would just sort of uh, rub you and uh, <laughs> um, and, and put uh, put heat on everything and, yeah. uh, and, and so gotcha. on. So, you know, we, we've – a lot of the things, you know, we, we did probably didn't help very much. But uh, it has, as you said, become much more scientific over the last uh, 30 or 40 years. And, and now, you know, you, you go to a, a an AFL club or, or a, you know, and, and there's a lot of science, you know, there's – Basically, everything is monitored. Yeah. You know, every movement, you know, you, uh, they can tell you exactly, you know, how fast you've run, how many sprints you've done, how many, you know, all this sort of stuff, and then the weight room and, and so on. So uh, almost, you know, too much, really. I mean, uh, you know, you wonder how they can use all that data. They have so much data. Yeah. You know, yeah. And sometimes I think it might be data for the sake of it. And I think the really good guys are the ones who – who, you know, pick the guts out of the data can and, and, dial use, right them, in and on use the stuff the that's really, stuff, uh, yeah. really important just rather than collecting data for data's sake. So, yeah, I've seen a huge transformation over, you know, over the years. So you, got, you were years. at the beginning
1: of it and I guess, like yep. you said, you've formed this profession or put some things yeah. in place yeah. and now I imagine overseas and around the world, like you said, it's just evolved and morphed into so many other little mm. nuances, whether it
0: yeah. be… Yeah, there's, you know, there's just two aspects to it. There's the medicine, so that's obviously looking more at, at injuries and uh, both prevention and, and management of injuries and then there's the performance aspect the science aspect of it all which is you know, all about you know sort of physiology and nutrition and psychology and, and all these different sort of uh, areas so it's a it's a broad uh, church the sports medicine sports science uh, church and, and again you've only got to see it at a you know at an AFL club you know you've got uh, you've got a high performance head you've got uh, someone in charge of uh, weight training you've got someone in charge of uh, the running aspect you've got uh, you've got dietitians you've got uh, you know doctors physiotherapists, you know mm-hmm. uh, psychologists massage therapists uh, there's a cast of, uh, of thousands and um, and you know the, the challenge of course is to get those people to, to work together so that the the performance team or the high performance team as we like to call it is, mm. is like a team within a team, you know, and and I've seen some pretty dysfunctional teams and I've seen some some teams that have, you know, worked really well together. And and that's the the key to to that team. And, and to, I mean, it's, it's in any, any business, I'm not pretending we're any different, but a lot of the time, you know, you find particularly in sort of high profile elite sport that, People are maybe there, you know, a bit seduced by the by the glamour, and and they're all about themselves, and and they're all about trying to sort of uh, um, make themselves important and keep their job because it's a pretty ruthless industry, yeah. you know. There's a lot of, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of people get moved on, and you know mm-hmm. the, the coach might get moved on, and he brings someone else, you know, and new coach brings in someone new, and all this sort of stuff. So there's a fair bit of insecurity in there. So it's sort of understandable in a way that that people might be a bit sort of self-protective and and so on but uh the really good uh the good teams and 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 i was involved with uh in a small way with with melbourne uh this year and um uh and that was the best group probably that i've ever worked with from a team point of view they're all very good at what they did but there were no egos and the communication was great and they had a lot of fun but they did a fantastic job and it was no coincidence i think that melbourne had an amazing year and probably the best injury record in the history of uh, of AFL, VFL of football.
2: Nice. Can we yeah. elaborate on that just a little bit? Because yeah, I was going to sure. ask you about, yeah. um, obviously, you've been involved in a lot of organisations globally as well. And the successful ones like Melbourne this year, is there a common theme with these successful organisations or clubs or businesses that we can sort of break down to their audience that could help them build a business or themselves or...?
0: Yeah. well I think you know what I alluded to a little bit is the team aspect you know team first yeah um and I think it's been well documented that the Melbourne players um you know admitted 12 months ago that maybe they were you know a bit uh more interested in their own egos their own egos and their mm. own performance and, and and so on and because you know when you when you come into into professional sport you know you're an 18 19 20 year old you know you you're just trying to Hang in there, you know, yeah. <laughs> to make the cut next year. Yeah, you know, to to make the team, to establish yourself as a regular player, you know, and then and then you become, you know, a, a good player, you know, mm. and and uh, and then after a while, um, as I think happened to that core group at, at Melbourne, you know, you realise that now it's not just about uh, you know me getting a game or mm. me getting you know thirty possessions every week. Um, the really satisfying thing is is the team performing well and being part of a of a bigger group and. And I think, you know, that's that's the key to uh to success, um, is really being uh putting the team first and doing all the things that uh that, you know, produce a good team. And and, and Melbourne were the typical example. You mm. know, I mean they had lots of great players and so on, but it was those, you know, the lesser light players who were, were there just because they were you know they were ferocious tacklers, and they were competitors, and and they put pressure on oppositions mm. and things like that. And those sort of things that probably go unnoticed by a lot of the public, but certainly don't go unnoticed by people within the within the club, and they're really valued. So, I think the the team, the the, the lack of ego. Mm. Um, you know, I I think in to be an elite athlete, you've probably got to have a bit of ego. You know?
2: yeah, there yeah. be something there. Yeah, you've got to
0: have some self belief. Yeah. Um, I know people struggle. You know, some struggle and be a little bit
1: selfish as well.
0: You do a, a little bit, yeah. I mean, and that's the difference. You know, you notice that difference between team sports, and uh, so I've obviously worked with a lot of teams, but i also worked in individual sports, in athletics and, and in swimming, and so on. And it is a bit of a different uh, culture. You know, the, the thing that always used to amuse me was uh, when the the athletes would have to get together to run a relay. You know, and there would be four guys <laughs> running hundred meters who've basically been hating each other for the last four yeah, years because they're trying to there. get the individual spots. But all of a sudden, you know, overnight, they're going to become best buddies and uh, have the, <laughs> have work the band to each other yeah. and so on. So that's always uh, always interesting. Quite, quite interesting. And, and I think swimming do it very well. It's an individual sport, mm. but especially the Australian swim team seem to have a good sort of in team, recent team times because they had
1: a, f- a few years back there yeah, was a bit they going had on. Their they?
0: Ups and downs, and so on. So. Yeah, there is a difference certainly between the between the individual uh, sport and, and team sport, and, and a lot of it sometimes is just to do with your personality. You know, I mean, I, there are some people who are, you know, are born to be a, a triathlete or a golfer. You know, mm. and there are others who are born to be a be a footballer or a basketballer because they're you know they're yeah. more sort of team oriented and so on. And uh, yeah, the, the challenge is, is turning a uh, turning a golfer into a footballer you know, part what, of a team. What
1: about uh, the catalyst of a, a say say Melbourne like? in your mind, what, what do you think the catalyst Cause it almost needs to be, it sounds easy what you're saying, yeah. but it's actually proven to be bordering impossible, there which is why it's so hard to bond these teams. So what, what do you think the catalyst was a at Melbourne and, um, Oh yeah. Well, just
0: Yeah. Look, I, I mean, good people, I think is, yep. is the key to, to, you know, success in, in any business or sport. You know, if you, if you surround yourself with good people, then you get a good result, you know. And mm. and and what I mean by good people is is that people who are you know got a good work ethic, they're they're honest, they're they're you know they're uh, they're not going to stab you know you in the back. I they're they're there for for it for you and for each other, and and they realise that you know that the whole uh, the greater good is is the important thing. So I think you know good people is the key. And and Melbourne, you know, brought in lots of good people. You know, I mean. Uh, Choco Williams you know, oh, yeah. is a great, great, great person accessory. to have around at a club. You know, Adam Uzay, you know, uh, Darren Burgess is a great person, you know, and Selwyn Griffiths they brought in this year from from Brisbane, you know, just really good people who are very good at what they do, uh, but there are lots of people who are very good at what they do. You've got to have that extra thing. You've got to be a good person who really wants to work hard and, and help each other and work together as a team. So I think um, I think with Melbourne from the playing group, uh, I mentioned before, I think it was a bit of maturity, you know, that the core group are now sort of, you know, 24, 25, you know, and then they've, they've matured a bit and they've started to realize that, uh, you know, that they have underperformed up till now. They've got a very talented list and, and, uh, and probably haven't, you know, mm-hmm. and, and looked at why, uh, and I think leadership is the other issue, um, uh, both on the field and off the field. Um, I think the leadership group at Melbourne this year, uh, led by Max Gorn, who's, uh, a quirky character, but an outstanding leader um, and a very selfless person, very committed himself. So sets a great example uh, as to how hard he trains and how committed he is. But is also um, you know realizes the importance of uh, of team and, and bringing everyone along. So, but also the leadership group, you know, it was a bunch of half a. Every club has a sort of a core group of leaders, you know. So it was Petrarca and Oliver and and May and Lever and and Neil Bullen and and these guys who are. Just really good people, uh, yep. really outstanding people, and who you bring the you know bring them together with a, a common goal and a common focus. Um, and obviously, the coaching group was was terrific. And uh, you know, I I've, I think the the head coach Simon Goodwin, who was really under the pump. I mean, if he'd mm-hmm. lost his first four games, he was out of oh, a job. He was done. You know absolutely i mean every you know at the start of every season you always have a list of you know which coaches are most <laughs> likely to get the same. he was one of them he was, he was in the top of, he, he was in the top of everyone's yeah. list you know and um but you know he he uh, he knew what uh, was required he knew what what he wanted to do and uh, and to his credit he brought in you know people you know, some, some bringing in someone like Choco, who you know you, you some people might think, well, you know, he might, you know, he might replace you, or you know, he's a senior yeah, premiership right. coach, you yeah, know. Mm. Uh, but no, he had the courage to to do that and uh, and realise that what you know, like Choco or Adamuza and people like that added to the group. So, so that uh, you know, that was really really impressive. And I think just this unity of purpose, you know, this all this you know, disparate groups: the high performance group, the coaching group, the playing group, even the office staff and so on. Were very, very focused on uh, on on performing well, and you know you can talk that, but you've got to sort of you know walk the walk. Yeah, in, that's and the away. hard part. That's it? right, you know, and and doing the hard yards, and and they worked incredibly hard. I, I honestly believe they probably worked harder than any other. And full buy-in,
1: yard. right? Like it's everyone needs to buy in because everyone. you're only as strong as your weakest link, and I think that's the biggest challenge right, with these bigger teams. Yep. You only need one or two to 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 sort of disrupt.
0: Yeah, th- and particularly uh, particularly your best players if your best players who tend to be the natural sort of leaders yeah. have a good culture mm. and a good work ethic and, and a, and a team-oriented and inclusive then, and yeah, yeah. You, yep. you know you look at the clubs that are in trouble you know they're always there the superstar is a bit of a rat bag or yeah. a bit of a you know someone who's more interested in himself than uh, or herself uh, uh than, than the team and that that's when you get into trouble so I think if you've got your core group of players um uh, or you core team members you know, again you know, this is just as uh, applicable for the corporate world as it is for the sporting world. Uh, but if your leadership group has a, has a unity of purpose and a sense of, uh, of purpose and a great work ethic and have a very clear uh, path, you know, clear, um, I guess...
2: What, message or...
0: Message or uh, knowledge of what they want to do. How, oh, yeah. How so to it's achieve, articulated exactly what, they what they're trying to achieve. set out. Yep. And, uh, and the work ethic was was just fantastic. I mean, they worked, they worked incredibly hard and... Uh, both you know, both at training um and uh and games. And um and you only had to see uh you know well the Grand Farm is a classic example, mm. you know, uh last quarter and a and a quarter, a quarter and a yeah. third, mm. you know, at every game, virtually all year, they won the third quarter right. and the fourth quarter, you know, and uh and that's just not coincidence, you know. That's Hard that's work. uh fitness, that's that's mental and physical fitness. And what uh Darren Burgess, who's, who's the best high performance uh, guy I've ever worked with, um He's big on, on developing physical resilience. He says the way to prevent injury and the way to, to get high performance is by hard work and is by training. And you're a little bit sore and, you know, normally you, it's, oh, you have to today off or just have a – no, no. You've got to get out there and do it every day, every session, never miss a session, um, continuity, and that builds resilience. And resilience. And Melbourne's uh, injury record this year I think is probably – the best in ever in the history of the wow. AFL. Wow. So is that
1: that's not mothering them, right? Because remember back in the day, they used no, to exactly. try and limit how many go- shots on goal. Like, was it Tom Hawkins or someone? I can't remember yeah. back in the day. Right. and the, yep. they, oh, they wouldn't let him out on the ground to, to practice his goal kicking because they didn't want to overexert him sort of thing.
0: Yeah, there are two ways you can do it. This you is know? E, by the way. <laughs> Easy no, Easy <laughs> there, are, there are two ways you can do it. You know, you either, either – you know, reduce the amount of work they do so that they're not at risk of being injured, or you build up their, their resilience, the resilience. so much that they can yep. cope with that with that load. And um, you know, the, the injury rate was was unbelievable. I mean, I, and uh, you know, I know there's a bit of luck involved. You know, I mean, as it's, mm. it's, as you know, as part of the medical term, we always say if we're having a bad run, it's bad luck, and if we're doing well, it's good management. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the reality is, it's, it's somewhere. You know, it's a combination of the yeah. two. And, and we did have good luck. You know, some injuries you you can't do anything about. But soft tissue injuries you can, and uh, we virtually had no soft tissue injuries. So the first time in VFL, AFL history that a club has had nine players play every game. That's it. And that's 25 games, you know, not just AD in the way it used to be.
1: And they are nine of your best players, and if you can get your best players on the field each week, then well, they'll put you in the best set. That's right. Best so of
0: those nine, f- there were four of our five All-Australians, mm. and we had seven nominated for the All-Australian team. Between those seven, they missed a total of four games for the whole season. Mm. Now that's when you win a premiership. Yep. You know, I said to the guys at the start of the final series, guys, we've got to cash in because this may never happen again. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you just don't you know, you just don't know storm, what's going to happen. Yeah. When you have a year like that, and as I said, mixture of good luck and, 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 and good management, you've got to cash in because, you know, the key to, to final winning finals is having your best players fully fit and playing well. And if, if that's the case – you know, you're going to win, you're going to win uh, lots of finals. Was there
2: a bit of manifesting around that too from the start of the year? I guess the club, the players.
0: Yeah. I think and, they, and as
2: they got through the season, they probably believed it more and more.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's belief, you know, once, once you start, uh, you know, things go well and you're, you're injury free and you're performing mm. well, you, you get that belief, you get that self belief, you get that trust and belief in, in your staff yep. and, uh, and, and the staff were outstanding. And, uh, And you know, I think that that's that all comes together with a bit of luck and everything like that to uh, to win a premiership. Yeah, uh, they're bloody hard to win, Uh, incredibly hard to win. Uh, You know, no matter what the sport. uh, You know, I've been involved in sport for you know what forty years, something like that, including when I was playing fifty years. And and I reckon I've won about four things in fifty years. Wow, you know? oh, that's four um,
1: more than me, Pete. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, well, you know, I've won. Uh, I've been involved. I've had a long involvement in an amateur football club in in Melbourne. Um, and and we've been in the finals nearly every year for that fifty mm. years. We won t- twice yeah. in fifty years, and then uh, the cricket World Cup. We won. Uh, we won that in uh, in Melbourne in two thousand and fifteen and then the demons issue and that's uh, that's about it so that's not uh, not a great hard to come uh, so when you
1: pass through collingwood to... liverpool those other teams yeah, were less, no, successful? It's less successful
0: yeah less successful yeah I was at liverpool when it wasn't a great time we did win the carling cup um which at the time you know was was exciting i think nowadays you know they tend to look down on the carling cup it's yeah. <laughs> calling the
1: the, lo- the
0: league cup the league, yep, the league yep. cup yeah. yeah it's now called the carabao cup or something like that i think but um yeah, that, that sort of the the least of the the less least of the trophies, but uh, it was still yeah you know, we were at Wembley and and that was it was a great uh, a great day, but um yeah it's 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 very hard to win, but you know you got obviously got everyone you know trying to do the same thing and um it's uh it's tough, but
2: was there a bit of bad culture at Liverpool at that time or was there a reason why yeah. they weren't successful? Was it
0: yeah? The, look, and and stability off the field is is a key. Yeah, uh, and uh, it was a time of turmoil. Uh, uh, there was one group when I arrived. Um, there was a group of a couple of Texans who owned the uh, owned uh, Liverpool, right. and uh, they were not putting any money in, and uh, and you know, the they actually couldn't come to games anymore because the crowd would give them such a hard time and so on. Wow. And uh, yeah. and so in my first six months, um, the. Uh, The ownership changed. There was a high court ruling. I was just so dramatic. You know, it was just a circus, really. There was this high court ruling, and they managed to get rid of these Americans and replace them with another lot of Americans. And (laughs) so, in the first six months I was there, uh, the owners, the CEO, and the manager that were there when I started were not there after six months. So, it was a pretty uh, pretty traumatic sort of a time. And, and, you know, it's very hard for clubs to be successful when when you don't have stability obviously. off the field. You know, so that's the first thing you got to get things right off the field, uh, and that starts right at the top. Mm. You know, whether it's the owners or the board or, or whoever, um, and then uh, the staff and the CEO, you know, football managers, things like that. They're really important people, and uh, and then obviously it flows through to the playing group because you know you you develop a you create a good culture. Uh, people want to come. Mm. Join that, you know. At the time, even though they were Liverpool, probably you know the really good players thought, oh, gee, you know, do hey, I thanks. want to go into this uh, basket yeah. case, you know. So you've got to make it an attractive place, and and that's what's happened at at Liverpool you know, the last few years. Um, you know, they they got stability off the field with these with new owners. They've been there a few years, they got a dynamic manager in, who's a very good sort of people person and uh, and you know, everyone wants to play for Liverpool now. So partner see the benefits. And that can come
2: back to business too. Like it starts from the oh, top, I guess. If you yeah. if your leadership's does. bad at the top, it's gonna filter down to the trades on side or to your I apprentices understand. and the job's just not gonna get done right. Or well, trying oh, to okay.
1: create a, an environment that like you said that, that attracts work that, for that attracts the best talent, right? Because yeah. if you if you can't you, you said before, Pete, most important thing, whether it be in business, sporting teams or you know, people. it's even just in life in your friendship group it's you know the you, people you surround yourself people, with absolutely yeah age. I
0: mean I, I ran a, a large sort of multidisciplinary sports medicine clinic for, for 20 odd years and so on you know doctors physios massage therapists all that sort of stuff and you know my my hiring philosophy is if someone becomes available a good person becomes mm. available hire them it doesn't matter if there's no job for them or no work, They'll create the job. Oh, I love that. they create the yeah. work. You just get good people in. Get the best it, people, know, it absolutely. It might not be the perfect time and people say, oh, there's not enough work for everyone. No, no. They're good. Get them. And, and and it works. You know, you get, you get a good group of people in together and then you're going to be successful. And you so empower them and, yeah, them and give them the tools. Yeah, I think that's the same. at. Yeah, I mean, business, life, you know, football, anything. It's uh, yeah, really Great important. Great advice.
2: Great because it's always scary as a business owner hiring more people, especially if you don't think you got the work. But if you get the right person in, they'll, get, they'll bring the they'll work. figure it. Yeah, yeah
0: they'll, they'll bring the work in. Yeah. You know, and if you if you make a better business, then you'll be more successful. So sometimes you know you've got to invest in the business. You know, yes. uh, And and you've got to uh, you got to spend money to make money, and, yeah. uh, and that and that requires you know some balls, as, as you say. Yeah, they take a little uh, bit of risk. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, particularly, when, but again, you know, if you get good people, that risk is minimised because yeah. you know you,
3: they're going to do the right yeah, thing they're for you. Do the right
0: thing, yeah, and it might take a while. Um, but you get there.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's it. And what I'm hearing in these these organisations, these successful organisations, is these leaders that are in these places. They're 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 selfless. Um, they they put others first, and they set and they set the example. This is sort of you know is what is what I'm getting because yep, exactly. because these like you talk about Gorn and these guys, they they're setting the example and they're putting others first.
1: Yeah, so we has gone exactly. So if Gorn's out there, I'm look at me,
3: I'm the guy, you know. People, and, and people are buying into him, yeah. People are buying into him, and he's got, got that 18 or list of yeah, 40. yeah.
0: And he, you know, he very proudly, you know, did not miss a session. The you know, mean. he had to go to a funeral up the country one day at you know, 10 o'clock and so on. So he arranged with the fitness guy to meet him at 6 a.m. in the morning, wow, right? so he could do his session, do so it. he didn't miss yeah. a session, because yeah. he said, you know, I'm the captain, I'm not going to miss a session, you know. Um, you know, Christian Petrarca, you know said to the, the fitness guy, I want to be the best, best on ground at every training session. So he would come up to the fitness guy after every training session. Was I best? Was I best?
1: <laughs> and that's like metrics that, you know, yeah. distance, yeah. coverage, yeah, speed, all of that stuff. stuff. Yeah. And,
0: and uh, Interestingly, the previous year he was doing that, he started doing that when, when Darren Burgess came and, uh, and he was the best at every training session. Yeah. This year,
1: yeah, and others beat other, beautiful. others
0: yeah. said, hang on, Petranka had a really good year last year. Yeah. Maybe, um, <laughs> he, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's doing something right. Yeah, they're a bit slow, of football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> took them a whole year to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they got there in the end. And uh, so it was interesting, yeah. So it's that, it's that you know, pushing yourself, to, demanding to always get better. You know, I mean, you know, Gorm was at the top of the tree. He was captain. Mm. You know, I mean uh, – he could take a he could take a day off.
1: Yeah, you know? yeah.
0: But Traka could take an easy training session and not be the best player around. You know. Yeah. But that's what that's what makes Leaders. good players or difference. good people great. Yeah. It's that constant. They're never satisfied. They're always striving to get better. And that's you know that's so important. I mean, you see, you know, you see it in sport. People think they've made it. You know, they've 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 made the test team or made the first eighteen or, or they've made the Olympic team. You know, and I think oh that that's it. Yeah. You know, but uh, And they sit back and, and, you know, they don't quite achieve. I mean, that's fantastic. You know, mm. they've done really well. But for some of them, you know, they're that talented that they could actually go that step further if they just, uh, you know, push themselves and uh, uh, that, that bit harder. So it's a combination of, uh, of you know, you've obviously got to have some talent and, and, you know, skills and so on, but it's that drive, you know, that, that really, uh, that, you know, shows the difference. That leads
1: me to something I really wanted to ask you today, Pete. It's about – it, the, a statement, and whether you think through all of your experiences of all these elite environments and teams and organisations, does hard work beat talent when talent doesn't work hard? Because I've heard <laughs> that. Because no, no, I feel like I've latched onto that, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm self-aware enough to know that I was never elite in sport or anything, so I've always had to be the latch onto I've got to work hard. The only way I'm going to get anywhere is if I outwork people because clearly I haven't got any talent. But but all these years, like, you know, from Liverpool to the Mighty Pies to Melbourne, the Olympic team, all the individuals and stuff, like, is is that something that you can confirm or deny, I suppose?
0: Well, look, it's not as simple as that, obviously. You know, if you have zero talent, you know, and you can't (laughs) fall over when you run. You've got no hope, Benny. You're not going to get there. But – um. You need both. You know, you can't do it on talent alone, and you can't do it just on on hard work. You've got to have some talent. A balance but, of both. But you know, I've seen people with with limited talent, mm. you know, achieve massively, mm-hmm. and um, and I've seen far too many people incredibly talented, because part of part of the problem, you know, it's it's a problem being talented. It's not one that anybody. Well, I haven't, well, I, haven't had, <laughs> I haven't had that. Problem. <laughs> <laughs> I've only observed that. I've never had <laughs> that problem myself. But uh, you know, because everything comes a bit easy. You know, when you're a kid, you know, growing up, you know, you're you're the best at everything, you know, you're the best runner, or you're the best footballer, or best cricketer, or you're best at at schoolwork or, you know, anything. I mean and um, you know, my um one of my sons actually summed it up very well when he's talking about schoolwork, you know, and he said uh, the problem was that, you know, he didn't learn how to study until he was at university, you know. Whereas one of his brothers, who who probably wasn't as smart as him, um, actually had to learn to work, you know, right from when he was 10 years start, old yeah. and actually he did better you know yeah, than did, than, than, the, than the older brother study. who yeah. who you know ultimately did okay but um didn't really learn how to how to study so it's it's not just in sport but um you know you've you've got to uh you've you've got to uh
2: put the hours in
0: yeah yeah you, you have and uh and it's hard sometimes you know because as as I sort of alluded to before you know when you When you're winning everything, and when you're making every team, and you're cruising along, and you know, you all these other poor guys are having to work their butt off, and you're still beating them, and so on. Mm. It's it is you've got to be self motivated, or you've got to have a good mentor and build that resilience you were talking about earlier. That's right. You know, you see so many people burn out. You know, they're superstars as school kids. You know, in Mm. whatever sport it might be, or so on, or music, or, or, or anything. You know, and then they get to whatever age. You know, sort of. It might be because they were a bit bigger than everyone, yep. you know, which often happens in sports. You know, you mature, yeah. you develop a bit earlier.
1: 1987, under 10, threes best and fairest.
0: Well, there you go. You know, you're probably <laughs> you're the same. 3, 4,
1: <laughs> no, that, was, that was the peak of me sporting <laughs> That's career.
2: That's right. You're probably
0: the same height you are now. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to your point, that was yeah. because exactly I yeah. was one of the goalposts. Uh, exactly, goal posts. you know, and, and uh, so, you know, that happens so often that, uh, that you know, They've never developed that that work ethic, yep. that work habit, and you see it in, in AFL football a lot. Not as much now, I think, because now to even to get drafted and so on, you've gotta you know, you've gotta be able to work and work pretty hard. But you you still do see it, and and, and you know people, you know, the word gets around. You know, the word gets around uh, football circles, and they'll say, "No, nah, it doesn't work hard enough."
3: No, well that's right. I think the enough. scouts yeah. and that sort of stuff, like you say, it's so dialed in mm. that they'll that they'll go and watch and go speak to coaches and.
0: And the question is, if someone's not working hard enough at seventeen, do you write them off forever, or or can you teach them? Or you or can them, you teach yeah, them? You know, in can the you system. motivate them? Yeah. yeah. You can, get, can you teach work ethic? Yeah, is that something I think you, yep. you can. I think you get good people around you, yep. good role models, mm. and a good culture, and yeah, people uh, people get it. You know, when everyone else is doing it and they're having success, yeah. you think, oh, hang on, I want to be part of that, and uh, yeah, you know, you've got to jump on board. So, yeah, you can. Uh, you can. I mean. And you can improve your skills and, you know, you can't improve your natural talent, obviously, but you can certainly improve uh, improve your skills. Um,
2: that's music to my ears saying you can teach someone that because the generation now coming through into the trade don't like working as hard as probably what we did back in the day.
0: No, I think that's a fair comment. So, we we noticed that in medicine as well. Uh, they always want to, you know, we used to volunteer a lot. You know, yeah. we'd always be helping out at sporting events, you know, oh, they come and, you to know, cover this athletics meet or this triathlon. Yeah, you, know, you, you, know, you do it. Just, it's a passion you, know, you want to learn. passion it. and, you know, like that. And nowadays, you know, oh, how much are we being paid? Yeah. Oh, you know, well, Actually, yeah, I never got paid yeah. for anything, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, you know, I, I remember I, I used to go down to athletics at Olympic Park every Thursday night, you know, every, every Thursday night over summer for years. Never got paid, never expected to get paid, you know. But ultimately, I finished up as as Olympic athletics team doctor. You know, so you yeah. said well, you know, yeah. I I create your,
1: you create your own luck, don't yeah. you? Sort yeah. yeah,
0: You know, people say, oh, you know, you've been really lucky. You've got all these jobs and stuff. I said, yeah. I hate it too. Well, though. you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, I've been in the right place, the right time. But she says, you know, all you those hours I spent. Uh, those, you know, those you, you create your own arts. luck, don't you? By yeah, working you, hard. You and do, and I think, you know, yep. and. Uh, I'm a big one for volunteering. Um, yep. I think, you know, the way you get experience, uh, particularly in, in our field of, of, you know, sort of looking after sport and so on. And that's uh, what I tell, you know, young docs and young physios and so on. You know, they say, oh, you know, how do I become an AFL doctor or how do I become an Olympic doctor or Olympic physio? You know, they sort of think, you know, they graduate one day and, and you know, they're, they're head doctor for Collingwood the next day <laughs> yeah. you <know>? or, they're, <laughs> or they're the Olympic, you know, the Olympic yeah. team physio the next year, you yeah. know, and, and, uh, and basically it's it's you know, it's volunteering. You you know, you, you start off, you don't get paid, you just hang around you meet
1: the right people. Exactly, get and then, the experience uh, you hang
0: around you learn and learn from people who know more than you, and then you might get a junior job and then uh, mm. then you work hard and, and impress people and then you know, someone remembers you know you were good and, and get recommends you for a for a more senior job and so on. So you've gotta have that uh, that Volunteer ethic, I think, is really yeah. important. Just, just and, start, uh, just start rocking
3: sport. up. Just yep. start rocking yep. up, and and probably giving. You know, rather than going, oh, take, take mine. Yeah, how, yeah, how yeah. much am I getting paid, doc? Fill, uh, fill just the drink start bottles. You yeah, know, yeah. yeah. What bottles, can
0: I do? Uh, you know, clean up the room. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, put the pa- you know, put the bandages away. You know, yeah. that sort of stuff. And uh, and that's how you how you get experience. You become part of a team. And you that's how you useful. know if you're
1: doing something for the right reasons as well, right? Because if if you can't do that then you don't have the passion that you're going to need to succeed, right? Because the second it's not working out or it gets a little bit hard, you throw your hands up and go, oh, well, I tried, you know. But whereas if you're doing it for the right reasons, if you're passionate
3: in your well, case you about be, you medicine. You should be able to prepare yeah, to yeah. walk up. Yeah, yeah walk you'd, you'd up
1: be, that would be excited, not yeah, even yeah. prepared to, but excited to get down to the yeah. local sporting fields or just to get involved and to surround yourself with – you know, smarter people in your field yeah, and, and learn those lessons.
0: Exactly. You know, you might be working all day each day and then, but then, you know, you, you go after footy training a couple of nights a week and Saturdays or you, you you rock up on Sunday mornings or, you you know, you do this, cover this triathlon or you do, I mean, it, it you know, you've, as I said, pe- people say to me, oh, you know, you've been lucky. And, and you know, I have, I mean, I, I've had a fantastic, you know, uh, uh, career and so on, but, um, you know, also, you know, I think I've worked harder than anyone else in my area, you know, and every night, you know, we'll, you know, have dinner and, you know, get the kids when they're a little off to bed and so on and then I'll just head to my head to my desk for, you know, for two or three hours and, you know, I've never watched a TV series in my life, you know, and and other than sport, you know, and i watch that, but, you know. Thursday through Sunday. Yeah, so, you know, it's – it's, it's all about, yeah, it's a, you've got to work hard. You know, if you want to get somewhere. Um, it's there's, funny there's no, how it no always shortcuts. comes back to that,
2: doesn't it? it yeah. always come back to working hard. And but- I, th- I think that's a big one for all the young listeners too who are out there thinking about what they're going to do. Maybe, like Peter said, go out and volunteer or even shadow – yeah. If you want to get into the construction yeah, shadow, exactly. maybe a builder or someone for a, you know, a couple of weeks or on weekends if they're working and, and get an understanding Think and feel the of it, square, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, I mean most people are happy to have someone you know, tag along with them as long as you you know you're be, you're helping, you know, you're yeah. doing little bits and pieces. You're not being a nuisance, you know. You're not asking too many questions. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> can we shadow
0: you then to the yeah. next Olympics or <laughs> <laughs> and
1: the suitcase? Yeah, yeah, yeah. here comes Hollywood. i yeah, yeah. yeah. Doctor. Uh, Pete, along though. Pete, I've got one for you. Something that we, me and Pete, we've got our our development business and something that we spoke about from the beginning. And it's, and it's a bit of a buzzword. I don't even know if it's a buzzword, but, and we've said it a few times today and we've probably touched on it a little bit about culture, right? I'm tipping back when you started, culture wasn't necessarily articulated as a thing. It was probably still part of the recipe, but wasn't so much, you know, a a buzzword Um, over the journey. Explain to me what does culture mean to you? When when you think and you say culture, what does that mean? What's a good culture? What
0: yeah. what well, makes a good culture? Yeah, it's it, there's a lot of things that make a good culture, and we've touched on a lot of them. Also, you know, it's it's good people, good work ethic, you know, good uh, um, good principles. It's interesting, certainly in 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 sport, you know, things have changed dramatically, and the the biggest change is, is when I started, you know it was basically the coach you know the coach was up there and the coach you know yelled and screamed and 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 you know it did what the coach said mm. you know and really the players had minimal input you know uh there were no such thing as leadership groups you know you might have had a captain and a but his job was to toss run out and toss the, toss coin, the coin you know yeah. and, and uh um and and so it was a very much a a, a top driven uh culture if you like um very much dominated by, by the personality shit. of the – Yeah, it was yeah, a dictator. A benign dictatorship, yeah, yeah. Shit, you know, yeah and, and sometimes not so benign. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was, you know – and that, that has really changed over, over time. And, uh, you know, I think they're, they're certainly in, a, in AFL football, you know, people like David and I think, have, have – uh, have had a really big influence on on that and empowering players and empowering the player group. Was
1: he um, when you tra- trace that back? Was he one that started the leadership group? Yeah. Was he one? Yeah, yeah. I think he
0: one year he basically handed pretty much handed over the whole uh, wow. <laughs> the whole team and and they won a won a premiership when he was at Carlton. But uh, yeah, he, he was I think you know ahead of his time really as a as a coach and because um, he had that you know sports science uh, phys ed sort of background and he was a teacher and and. Yeah. Uh, um you know the best coaches are always teachers you know they're uh, Sheed. clarko clarko Sheed. was the teacher? teacher you know sheets was uh, I mean, he a teacher uh no he's a plumber oh plumber. Uh, there he, we I, go yeah. back back popper, the second, back second, the second, plumber.
1: The second yeah, back potter listen <laughs> uh, coach, coach. Yeah. he's a teacher <laughs> i think the new pies coach yes yeah, yeah
0: he's a yeah yeah williams was a uh, was a physio teacher and so on so uh john kennedy obviously famously john kennedy senior um was a was a headmaster you know and so you know they're they're naturally good you know good coaches I think and and I think um, yeah it, it has changed and maybe society has changed in, in that sort of you know young people are much more empowered I mean back in the old days it was sort of yes sir no sir you know you're mm. sort of very respectful to your elders and so on and Nowadays, if my kid's attitude to me is any example, there's no respect at all for <laughs> <Yeah>. elders. <laughs> <laughs> that's same, same so idea. you know, so I think that has changed, and yeah. and, uh, and that's where the the word culture has come in. I think because you know it's a it's a broader thing, and, and uh, rather than just just the coach uh, dominating things, and um, yeah, I think it's it's a good thing, but it gives also gives everyone a chance to contribute to the culture and uh, and influence the culture, which is which is exciting. Um, but yeah, you can't be successful without a without a good culture. Yep, uh, absolutely. And uh, you know, you look at the at the underperforming teams, clubs, organisations, and so on, and uh, those are getting into trouble. And it's hmm. you know, it may not just be obvious at the time, but usually it comes out that there there are some issues there that that you know. And culture is a broad sort of word. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's a horrible word, really, but we haven't got anything better. But you know, there's an underlying issues that uh, that prevent that group, team, whatever being successful. Whether know, that be
1: individuals, people pulling people, the pulling the, yeah, people, yeah, people yeah, or the management people. or
0: yeah, and yep. look, you know, we every group, you know, you might classically you have a, a very talented person, no matter what their profession might be, mm. but they're disruptive, they're selfish, you know, whatever, you know, what do you do? You know, and then mm. that's a classic thing, isn't it? You know, do you do you keep them on and try and change them or hope they'll change? Do they change? I'm not sure. Yeah. They do is your culture knife culture, or, yeah, or do you take enough? a hit and say, you know, we're going to get rid of our best salesman, plumber, yep. builder, yeah. footballer, whatever, and uh, and move on? From because there. because
3: yeah. we value our culture that much yeah. that even though you're the best player, the best plumber, the best builder. We we're happy to let you go for the sake of the, the and
0: you run the risk culture. that they'll you know they'll go to the club across the road and you know be their best player and and you mm, know, yeah. next time they <laughs> you play them they'll kill you <laughs> but, but ultimately I think you've got to make that decision and 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 go with that and uh, and I think nowadays you know in sporting clubs. Uh, they do take that into consideration as to, you know, whether you're going to draft someone or whether you're going to keep someone on as to, is the sort of person, I think in the old days, it was very much of, you know, could you play football or couldn't you mm. play football, but nowadays it's very much sort of how do you fit in with the culture and, and how do you contribute to the culture and so on. So that's, that's been a really big, uh, a really big change, uh, I think. And uh, obviously there are a lot of, a lot more external influences now, you know, I mean, back in the day, you didn't have all the staff that, that, you know clubs I mean when we you know when we travel with the with the Aussie cricket team we'd have more staff than players you know I mean (laughs) uh you know you'd have you know four or five coaches and then you'd have you know a doctor and a physio and a masseur and a a media person and a a security person and a team manager and a psychologist and you know all these sort of uh people and and um you know they've some people you know the old school say oh it's ridiculous you know you don't even need a coach at cricket and, and that sort of stuff and uh you know back in the in the sixties the cricket team would, would travel with a with a manager and a scorer and that was it and that was you it, know, they yeah. would they would do a tour of England for you know for four months with uh <laughs> with, you know, seven, seventeen players a, a manager and a and a scorer and uh you know there was no such things as coaches or fitness guys or anything like that but that's changed and and i think it's been a, a by and large a good thing mm. uh because people have gotten more professional and um you know cricket's a classic example you know i mean back in the day you know you can Basically, be you know significantly overweight. You didn't have to be yeah. fit. <laughs> you know, you would
3: uh, have have thirty six you know. cans on the way to London. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. they're, they're, I think it was <laughs> more than 36. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was just under- what the it. doctor had. <laughs> yeah, <yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it, uh, things have changed in all sports, really. You know, hmm. I mean, the the emphasis on on the physical side of things and the mental side of things. Uh, a mental, physical and mental training that you know never happened back in the old days. You know, if you would said you were meditating, I mean, you know, yeah. they, you know, they'd have sacked you on the spot, you know, yeah. imagine mm-hmm. if, you know. You sit
2: next to one. Yeah, I oh, know, we are going to replace that. Yeah, well,
0: you know, good idea, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, he you did. know, I mean, nowadays, you know, players are encouraged to do that, yeah. or yeah. yoga, or Pilates, I mean, you know, that was girl that was cool stuff, you know, yeah. you didn't yeah. do that in <laughs> the good old days, you know. I mean, uh, so we've come a long way, you know, yep. which is great, I, I think, and uh but again, you know, you've got to make sure that you're not just doing it for the sake of doing it, and there's a re- there's a reason, right reason, there's a purpose behind uh, yeah. everything that you do, whether it be your, you know, your your weight program or your or your your running or or your uh, uh, psychology or your, yeah. or your meditating or your pilates or yoga or uh, your massage and so on. There's got to be a you know, underlying a reason, an underlying yeah. reason, and it's all got to contribute to uh, to performance. And uh, if you're just doing it for the sake of it, then
3: it's it not work. That's fine. Yeah. Yes, and it's all th- got to be part of that part of that clear direction that yeah. you talk about, that strategy, that vision that your leaders have in your company. Yep. Why you're doing these things, mm-hmm. and it's going to contribute to that.
0: And, and you've got to get people to buy in. And, and yeah. the way you get people to buy in is, is again, by, by leadership and by example.
3: And by
1: articulating yep. the vision. Yeah,
2: yeah. Is the Australian cricket team really good at showing that? I mean, they've done some cultural shifts over the last decade especially. And you're seeing where we were at at one stage to where we are now. Did that come down to culture and leadership?
0: Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think uh, – I think Justin Langer is is huge on on, on culture and, mm. and, and, and leadership and so on and and maybe a little bit too much for some of the players <laughs> I yeah. don't know, but uh, I, I think he's a he's a terrific uh, person and terrific coach and, and and so on and and I guess you know he's he's in a sport where traditionally you know there hasn't been that sort of intensity and and you know even the role of the coach as I mentioned before I mean they didn't have a coach in cricket till many yeah. years ago and uh, um, and you know, cricket has certainly changed from being that very much sort of uh, laid-back, um, you know, non-scientific. I mean, now they're athletes. You know, we the, the cricket team has a full-time fitness guy who yeah. travels with them the whole time. Mm. They're in the gym. You know, every day they're not uh, they're not training and uh, and trying to get better at at everything they do. And um, so. The cricket culture has changed enormously over over time, you know. The, it's no longer the party and the no, you know, you, you wouldn't go, you know, a, it's such a sink, big business, you know, sink it? half a dozen beers, you know, in, mm. was that in the middle of a test match, you know. Well, you just, Don't, I mean, nowadays anymore. they just want to get, you know, get back and have their ice bars and have dinner and, and then have a massage, you yeah. know. So it's a completely different culture to uh, to what it was, and uh, and some people still, some of the old school people still struggle with that. I with think. that, yeah, uh, but you know, it's, we've moved on from those. You've got, times. You've got to move on, you know, yeah. and uh, and every other. You know, for a while, I think in a lot of sports, Australia had a bit of an advantage in that we sort of cottoned onto that a lot earlier than others. You know, I think our, our soccer players are always, you know, much better athletes, are much fitter, mm. worked harder. Uh, our cricketers, you know, I think we're, we're ahead of uh, of the pack in, the, in that regard. But I think other countries, uh, you know, and even our Olympic athletes, you know, I think we… we uh,
2: have, Well,
1: we've always yeah, overperformed. I'm, what do you think that, that comes down to, Pete? Is there just because we've got these local competitions like the AFL and stuff that are elite competitions. You know, well, competition. you can,
0: you could can argue that the AFL is the worst thing for for our Olympic team because all the best athletes it go, oh, and, play, yeah,
4: yeah.
0: Uh, go <laughs> and play AFL. Imagine if you had all those guys, uh, you know, performing in different uh, Olympic sports and yeah. so on. But, uh, yeah, that happens all around the world with soccer and, mm. other, and other sports and so on. Um, but, um, yeah, we've always done well at, at, at the Olympic sports uh, and so on and batted above our, uh, our average, really, yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, for a while there, uh, for a couple of Olympics that looked like we'd lost that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that was because basically the rest of the world did catch up, you know, after Sydney and, and Athens where we did so well, you know, we'd lost a lot of our coaches and our uh, sports science staff and so on, particularly to, to the UK mm. and the Brits, you know, pinched them all uh, leading right. up to their, their home Olympics in, in 2012. That's and, when they dominated. Yeah. And, 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 you know, half the, half their coaches were Australian, yeah, you yeah. Know? and, and, um, so you know we we lost uh, we lost our way a little bit then, um, and also uh, you know funding is a huge issue in in Olympic sports and uh, and I think that's where we fell behind for a while there. Uh, we're still probably a bit behind some of the other countries in uh, in funding. We Olympic rested sports. on our
1: laurels because we were doing so well. Eventually.
0: Well, look, it's you know it's it's a difficult one, is it? I mean, you know, you justify. Spending money on, you know, taxpayers' money on, on sport. Absolutely, uh, I reckon. For those two <laughs> weeks every four years. All, all the chips uh, in the middle. It yeah, well, was a good, exactly. two. It's a good two. It was a fantastic two yeah, weeks. Was and, awesome. Uh, but, you know, can you justify all that uh, that money? You know, it's it's a million dollars a medal or whatever they you know, they calculated at or more probably. More, yeah. um, and, you know, is that more important than, you know, than building schools and roads and mm. hospitals? Or, and even in sport, is it more important that you win Olympic gold medals or or that you have facilities for kids to play sport and and, and things like that. So, you know, people always say, oh, you know, Olympic sports, Olympics inspires kids to, uh," I'm not sure that, you know, that really, uh, you know, you get hundreds of people uh, doing the modern pentathlon because we want a modern pentathlon (laughs) or something like that. So I'm not really sure about that, but um, it's getting that balance. And uh, yeah, I think we, we did spend a lot of money. We obviously had the Australian Institute of Sport, uh, which, you know, came on board after we had a terrible Olympics in uh, in Montreal in 1976 and didn't win a gold medal. And that prompted uh, us to, to take action. And I think that led the world, you know, not just the AOS, but the whole mm. Australian sports science, sports coaching sort of led the world for 10 or 20 years and gave us a huge advantage and, and other countries have, uh, have gradually uh, caught up.
3: Yeah, and it's that it's that investment, isn't it? Like we spoke about it at the start, yeah. you know, spend money to make money, mm. and that's you well, know for people out there building a business, you employ the good people, same retaining as, the so, right people, same as on. these footy clubs, isn't yeah. it? It's, yep. a big, it's a big business now, so we've we've got to allocate money to sports, science, getting good people around our players for an yep. outcome.
0: Yeah, if if we want that outcome, you know, and yeah. that's something we have to sort of you know decide as a society, I suppose, you know, whether how much we're prepared to. To sacrifice to to win some gold medals and so on because there's certainly people out there who can do it for us as we've shown mm. and uh, we've got lots of great athletes in this uh, in this country and a great sporting culture and good coaches and good sports science so we've got a lot of a lot of things going for us um, but you do need that uh, that money that funding
3: which is uh, always tough yeah yeah spot on I guess what what I've got Pete for you know from your um, from your journey as well rocking up working hard that sort of stuff but would there be anything else you know I guess for for the guys and girls listening that along your journey that you could, you could give to them to say what, what has made you so lucky as you call it. Not luck. But, not luck, but you know, <laughs> successful. Yeah, yeah. The journey you've been on, what are the, you know, the traits and those, those staples?
0: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, in addition to the things I've mentioned like the, like the volunteering and, and the work mm. ethic and uh, yeah. and so on, I think you've, you've got to be willing yeah. to go out of your comfort zone. Yep. Um, you know, people sort of uh, said to me, you know, well, you know, why did I uh why did I go to Liverpool for instance? Mm. you know uh, I had a great setup here, I was a soccerroo's doctor here, and you know I had a good practice here and family here and everything like that you know everything was life was great, you know i couldn't couldn't complain it was comfortable uh yeah, very comfortable and uh and then you know liverpool came came and approached me and 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 said, would I come there and uh and and you know I thought well there's, you know there's a new challenge and uh, yeah, it's certainly out of my comfort zone, you know it was a a whole league that I didn't hadn't been part of before and uh and, and a new country and a new mm. city and 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 so on. Um so yeah, definitely out of, a, out of a comfort zone and and that comes with you know discomfort. Um yeah. you know at, at times. Um but I think you know you've got to be prepared to to do that. You know, you can just sit back and just cruise in the same yeah. job forever if you want to. Yeah. Uh, and I've always been one to sort of uh move on to the next challenge and and uh and also I think I'm moving on, you, you give other people opportunities too, you know. I mean, uh uh, you know, like Olympics, you know, I did two Olympics and, and people said you're gonna do more. I said, No, no, I'm gonna step back now and uh and it's time for chance. someone else, you know. Yep. Um and I think that's really really important. You know, you don't wanna sort of a uh, Hog all the, uh, all the all the best jobs, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but sometimes you come back. You know, I was at Melbourne, you know, 35 years ago, and I came back this year. So, no, you I, didn't you. Year. I didn't realize. I
1: didn't realize because I knew you had been at Melbourne, but yeah, I had no yeah. idea that you. Were Maybe you're the key year. this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, keep, I keep trying. To, I keep, <laughs> Coincidence. I keep
0: trying to tell people that, but yeah. uh, they keep talking about players and coaches yeah. and things yeah. <laughs> No, I only had a minor role at Melbourne this year. I was just there, sort of one day a week, more of a sort of a mentor, a leadership sort of role. Oh, in he's the, humble. Uh, in, no, 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 no. I'm not, no, I'm, no one's ever called me humble. <laughs> no, I can honestly say I had a very, very small role uh, because they were, they were such a good group that I, that they didn't need me. And, uh, and, in fact, I've told them they don't need me. So I won't be there next year, but uh, I'll still, you know, be, be around, but yeah, I won't be yeah. formally there. But um, they're a good group. But... Um, yeah, I think you've got you've got to tr- always challenge yourself you know, yeah. and be prepared to keep, to keep, take on keep challenges. Moving, keep moving yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah I think um, the comfort zones a great. That's one a huge sure. one. That's isn't a massive
2: it? one. Yeah, like we don't, we don't, don't want, want to do it. No one wants to yeah. really put themselves out there, but it yeah. pays off, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it's
1: where the magic happens.
0: And it's a little bit like just uh, you know those difficult conversations that you've got to have, you know, yeah. with staff and with with yeah. people like that, and. We all hate that. I mean, I, I hate that. I'm, I'm,
1: I'm not great at it. Man. Oh, same. PK's not, PK's not too bad. You're I'll, not too bad. Uh,
3: well, I think, I think you've just got to accept that you've no, got to th- be uncomfortable sometimes th- and, and you're moving forward when you do it. Jesus, it's not enjoyable. Though, I, so. think it's, uh,
0: <laughs> I think it's basically nasty people who enjoy it. You yeah, <laughs> know? yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah.
3: right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but
0: really good guys like us, yeah, know, we really struggle that. with it. Yeah. yeah. Now, Pete, I told you I wasn't humble. Pete,
1: when when I was doing a little bit of research before you came on, I came across a an article or a few little articles of your time in Liverpool, and there was something about the—I think the coach overruled you as the doctor. Is that—is that right? Am I, did I get that right? Oh, with the, there was a concussion or something, and and with like uh, don'ts yeah. and
0: yeah. Look, uh, I mean the, the the culture in in English Premier League, and I think it's I think it's better now, but certainly in those days, you know, it was uh, um, <clears throat> the the managers are all powerful. You know, yep. they're, they're incredibly powerful and, uh, and, and they usually get what they, what they want. And, uh, so that can always be, always be challenging. And, uh, and generally speaking, they, they don't like people who stand up to them and they, they surround themselves with their, their standing <laughs> you know, people who've worked for them and, uh, and so on. So, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. So that, uh, that's always challenging. Um, but you know, you've, you have to keep to your, stick to your principles, you know, I mean, uh. I remember way back in, uh, in when I was at Melbourne the very first time. I remember remember Gary Lyon getting a concussion and uh, and it clearly recovered. You know, he seemed to be fine. He trained really well, but we had this rule then that you missed a week and it's come back. Back again. then, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. And uh, and I said, no, he's got to miss a week. And uh, and and the coach sort of looked at me and said, uh, you know. <laughs> and uh, oh, uh, what, what would it, what would happen if uh, if if he played? I said, oh, no, that's fine, but you know, you need a new doctor next week.
2: And, <laughs> and so, did he I, play or not?
0: And I thought, well, of course he did. They got rid of the doctor. No, no. They
4: <laughs> 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 I thought,
0: uh, no, that was putting. Uh, you know, I could see whether they really wanted me or not. But now I survived, so that was all right. But um,
3: yeah. so yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's look, authentic. Look, it is challenging. Isn't it? It, like is, sticking, it is sticking uh, to your principles. Yeah. sticking true to yourself.
0: Look, you know, I think the the relationship between the 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 doctor or the physios and so on and the coaches is always a challenging one. But the way I look at it is that, um, I mean, coaches think that the doctors are just trying to constantly keep people out, mm-hmm. you know, that their that role is to say no, you know, yeah. don't train, don't play and so on. Um, and I'm, I'm up front with the coach and I'll, I'll sell the coach and said, I want the players to play every game and to train every training session. And I'm going to do everything I can to do that. And I'll push them as hard as I possibly can. But on the other hand, if I say that he's not right, then you've got to support me. I'll support you as much as I can. You know, we'll mm. get players back much quicker and we'll take some risks. Because that's the other thing, you know, if you want to keep your reputation as a doctor of physio, just keep everyone out for weeks. Mm. You know, <laughs> I mean, you have a hamstring injury, you know, I take six weeks. Because then when they come back, they'll never redo their hamstring and you'll yeah. look fine. Mm. But you say, well, you know, if we get him back in two weeks, I reckon he's going to be all right, but you've got to take the, you the know, risk. Yeah. The, the risk. And it's a risk reward thing, mm. and um, so you know my philosophy is is to is to push people as much as we can, but there's a there's a line, and and yep. uh, um, and the other thing is that that what most people don't realise in medicine uh, there's a lot of grey, mm. not a lot of black and white, you know that there's there's not you know oh yeah. You know, you've done a hamstring, okay, you can play it two weeks, or you can play it three mm. weeks, or you can play it four weeks. For a start, every hamstring's different. Every person's every different. Person, yeah. Every person's sort of muscle and the way they heal is different, and so on. So, these are real you know, these are difficult judgment calls. And uh, and sometimes you get them wrong. And, and you've got to admit that, you know. Mm. But when you get them wrong, you know, as, as you know, as I think I got one wrong, you know, not in 70, anyway. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, when you get it wrong, you know, you've got to own up to it for a start, confront it. And then sit down as a team and say, okay, guys, you know, we stuffed up. We're not trying to blame anyone, but, you know, why did this happen? What are the lessons? What are the lessons? Because mm. you learn, you know, it's like in like a, a loss in football, isn't it? You learn more from a loss than you do from a victory. Absolutely. And, and, and you learn, you know, every time you, things don't go the way they should go, and you sit down, you learn a lot from it, and – uh I remember at Liverpool, we had a guy, I think he had five hamstrings you know, in a season. He, f- he finished up, you know, doing a hamstring, walking around uh, Euro Disney. Wow, you know I mean? bloody, jeez. <laughs> he got to that stage. <laughs> and, and we sat down and, and um, we, in fact, and wrote this up in a, in a journal in the end, you know, and we basically got a whiteboard and said every possible thing that anyone's ever said might help with hamstrings. And we just went through that and we, you know, ticked off, yeah, we can do that, we can mm-hmm. do that, we can do that. And we did a massive amount of different things, you know, now... The problem is you got no idea what actually worked because we did, you know, fifty <laughs> different, fifty different things, you know, from from a different weight session to different uh, running session to different, you know, yoga to do massage. Yeah, you know, we did everything because you know we thought well, it's no point doing one of that one at a time because you know the season will be gone by by then. Um, so you know that was a really good learning experience for for everyone on the team and that, that it stimulated a lot of discussion. We all learned a lot more about hamstrings and ultimately we we got a good result. But uh, that was because you know, we'd stuffed up. Well, you know, yeah. things hadn't gone yep. as well as they, as they could. So that's really important is to learn from admit your mistakes. Mm. We all make mistakes, yep. you know. Um, the worst thing you can do is, is pretend they didn't happen. Well That ignorance, and,
1: uh, isn't it? It's just going to let you down and hold and, you back.
0: And and learn, you know, and just make sure you don't make the same mistake uh, again. the we'll But say if you keep making the, the same mistake, then mm. maybe you've got to think of another job or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's, all right, it's all right to <laughs> be wrong. It's not all right to say, Stay all wrong, say it all the yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you know the sport is sport is just a, a microcosm of life you know I mean it, it's the same principles you know whether whether you're in business or in, in uh, sport or anything it's it's all uh, it's all about you know honesty and hard work and, and culture and uh, you know there's no there's no magic to, yeah. to sport you know I think mm. uh, maybe things are a bit more developed in sport in some aspects and business can learn from uh, from mm. that about team and team culture and so on but same same stuff.
1: Pete, a big part of your 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 passion, aside from the the sports medicine, is the nutrition. Yep. I feel like we'd be remiss not to to touch on the 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 nutrition for the boys because I know before we started that was the uh, that was the <laughs> hot topic trying to work out. You know, the, I think you spoke about going back to your point, PK, saying it's okay to be wrong. It's not okay to stay well, wrong.
3: Yeah.
0: Like- yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, like everyone else, you know, I'd been pushing. Uh, you know the low fat diet for for years and mm. you know telling everyone and I did it myself you know cut you, know, you trim the, the fat off the meat and you'd have low you know low fat dairy and low fat this and low fat that and and, and so on and um and the longer i did that the uh, the fatter and sicker i got mm. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and to the point where you know 10 years ago i was you know significantly overweight uh probably you know 15 kilograms overweight like many uh you know middle aged men uh and and i considered 60 middle-aged. I used to think it was old, but now I think it's middle-aged. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd probably put on half a kilogram a week for 30 years, you know, to the point where I was 15 kilograms overweight, you know, and uh, despite, you know, regular exercise and, and supposedly good diet, you know, mm. exactly what, what we've been told to eat. Yep. And um uh, and I'd also had some significant health issues. Uh, I probably didn't really realise at the time. I had a family history of type two diabetes. My father had had type two diabetes, and and I, in retrospect, I was clearly pre-diabetic. I had a fatty liver. I had high triglycerides. I had high insulin levels. All these sort of indicators that metabolically I was not that healthy. And I have no doubt if I hadn't done what I've done, I'd be fully fledged diabetic by now. Mm, wow. But um, I heard a bit of a whisper a friend of mine in South Africa by the name of Tim Noakes, who's a very famous sports scientist. And uh, he sort of had come out and said, uh, no, we've been wrong. You know, that it wasn't fat that was the problem. It was uh, it was carbohydrates. And he'd reversed his own diabetes and he was a run- marathon runner and he you know, completely changed uh, everything and had great results. And I thought, oh, boy, you know, that's nah, – no, that couldn't be right. You know, yeah. like <laughs> we couldn't have had, you know, something as basic as this wrong for the last 50 years. You know, it's, yeah. it's one of the – most important, you know, decisions we've ever made is to go low fat. You know, 50 mm. years ago, and and I thought, no, nah, no, nah, he's you know, he's lost it. But he's a very smart guy, and he's been he's challenged a few things in the past that have been and been proven right. And I thought, no, nah, I need to look into this. So I bought a book called uh, "Good Calories, Bad Calories" by a guy called Gary Taubes, and it was the book that changed my life. And uh, it was a book not only did it talk about you know fats and carbs and so on, but it talked about the the politics of how the sort of low-fat movement had won out over the low-carb movement back in the sort of, you know, 60s and 70s, which I always assumed was due to good science and evidence and research and everything like that. Turns out to be all about money and ego mm. and politics, you know, like most <laughs> things. I don't know why I would have thought it was <laughs> yeah. about science. Anyway, and and that just blew me away. I mean, I remember I'd, I'd put down this book at night and I'd think, no, nah, no. Nah, can't be true. Could, that can't be true. You know, and then the more I read and I read a whole lot of other stuff and, and – It just blew me away. And so I thought, no, you know, I'm a scientist, okay? So I'm going to do some research. Now, also as a scientist, I know that research with an N equals one, is a waste of time, except when the one is you, in which case, (laughs) very important. So I decided it was time for an N equals one experiment on myself. (laughs) So day one, jump on the scales, get my bloods done, you know, all my blood tests and so on with my high triglyceride and my fatty liver and all that sort of stuff. And then I went on basically what we call a low-carb, healthy-fat diet. So stopped all sort of sugary drinks, all uh, fruit juices, all, um, uh, all starches, carbohydrates, so no rice, no pasta, no bread, no uh, cereal, That's no potato, hard. all that sort of stuff.
1: I don't know what's That's left. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> what's left?
0: <laughs> it sounds really hard, doesn't it? But I went back to, to eating probably the way that my parents or grandparents had eaten, you know, mm. like – Meat and fish and three veg and uh, and and eggs and bacon and and full fat all dairy. natural yeah you know, all those things that you know have been you know bad for us for for fifty years but my parents did to do all right on them but anyway it was bad for our generation and uh, I went back to that and um and I thought I'll do it for three months so thirteen weeks and um so the first week I jump the first thing I noticed was I stopped being hungry so instead of sort of having my cereal for brekkie or whatever and and getting to 10.30 and thinking, Jesus, you know, is it lunchtime, sir? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, where's my Smart muffin? <laughs> um, you know, I'd have my eggs and bacon and avocado or whatever for breakfast and, and I wouldn't be hungry all day. So I went from eating three meals and three snacks a day to eating two meals a day. And I still eat two meals a day now. Yeah. And um, so that was the first thing. And then I'd jump on the scales every week. And, you know, the first week you lose a couple of kilos, you go, oh, you know, just fluid or, you know, whatever, you know, beginner's luck and lots of stuff. I just kept losing every week and every week. And, you uh, and then I started to get more energetic. I slept better. I was. I stopped snoring. I, uh, you know, I, my exercise tolerance improved. My concentration improved. Anyway, I felt. Uh, I felt great. And uh, at the end of the thirteen weeks, I jumped on the scales again, and I'd lost thirteen kilograms in thirteen weeks. Wow. Hadn't been hungry once. Eaten really well. Eaten really all the all the great good stuff. Good yeah. Food. The
1: Steaks and
0: yeah. Did my bloods, and every one of my metabolic abnormalities had returned to normal. Huh. So I'd had this fatty liver for ten years. Um, fatty liver is, is basically um, fat infiltration in, in your liver and it leads, it's a precursor to diabetes so uh, um, I'd had that and I'd ignored it like a typical doctor you know mm-hmm. your blood test fatty liver oh yeah yeah didn't really understand what a fatty liver was and yeah. Figured I was on a low fat diet I'll be fine you know just push that away um and, uh, and my triglycerides came back to normal and my uh, insulin came back to normal and so on. So basically everything that had been abnormal resolved in 13 weeks. But I mean, it might have been less than that. I only did the blood test after 13 weeks. Just And that just blew me away. I just, I just could not believe it. It's been um, wrong
1: the whole time. And, and no uh, more carbs. And like the
0: finding more, out uh, Santa Claus isn't true. Who told you that? The more I read, you know, then I then read everything I'd get my hands on, Every Journal article, every paper, every book, and so on. I got this massive library at home with all these books and so on, and and uh, and and then decided, you know, that was the way I wanted to live for the for the rest of my life. And I I've backed off a little bit. I have the odd bit of bread, or I have, you know, I mean, an odd cheat day or dessert or something like that. Yeah, look, not big cheat days, but maybe if someone, you know, offers me something nice, I'll, I'll have, I'm not, you know, super strict. What I believe is that there's a right amount of carbs for everyone, yeah. and for young healthy people, it's probably. Fair amount, you know, you can yeah. probably get away with 150 grams of carbs, you know, but for people who are, you know, morbidly obese, uh, uh, diabetic, whatever, you've got to be on the on the ketogenic end of the carbs thing, you know, down to the 30 or 50 grams of uh, of carbs where you start burning fat rather than burning carbs for yeah. for energy. And obviously, if you burn fat, you're burning your own fat, and uh, that's yeah. why you lose weight. So that's really effective. So. So I made this discovery of of my own, and I guess you have you know you have one of two choices, don't you? You can either say, well, I'm I'm all right, mate, you know, and, and carry on, or you can say, no, I really need to tell people about this. And I and I really felt, look, you know, I'd come this discovery. I mean, it was you know, I'm certainly not pretending I was the first person to discover it by any means, but you know, I'd I'd, I'd realized what was going on, and and I really needed to tell people. So I started telling people, and because yeah, people had come up to you and say, well, what's happened? You know. Mm. You, you know <laughs> I mean, the main issue was that I had to get a new wardrobe because I was, <laughs> I was down yeah, two. That's that's, that's that's not an issue, mate. That's enjoyable. I mate. was yeah, down a two sizes. Have, so, exactly. I hate shopping. Uh, so, uh, I was down two sizes, but um, um, so people, you know, want to talk to you about it because you know you, you look completely different and, and and so on. So, and then I, you know, then I started speaking about it in public and, and giving talks and, and things like that. And then we started a, a charity called Sugar by Half uh, with the aim of reducing the amount of sugar because. Well, you know, carbs are important. Everyone agrees that sugar is the key to it all. So,
3: mm.
0: And sugar is everywhere, you know. The average Australian has probably, you know, 18, 20 teaspoons of sugar a day, about sugar a day. Mm. And the World Health Organization says, you know, less than six is ideal. So we're way over. Yeah, right. I
4: mean,
0: you've only got to have a standard bottle of Coke and that's 13 teaspoons of sugar, you know. You'd never let your kid have 13 uh, mm. sachets so, of yeah, sugar, no, would you? Absolutely. When you Where, put it
1: like that, it's…
0: And then, then what I realized was that sugar was everywhere. It's not just, you know, soft drinks, but fruit juice. Like, we've been told fruit juice is healthy, you know. Yeah. Basically, you know, all the goodness is taken out of it and you're just left with the sugar hmm. in the water, you know. I mean, there's as much sugar in a, in, a, in an orange juice as there is in Coca-Cola, same amounts, you know. So it's just all this sort of stuff and, and fruit yogurts and all this sort of stuff that we – Music bars, we all think are healthy. I mean mm. they're, It's they're a nice, off. healthy,
1: bloody labelling sugar. and stuff.
3: It's the yeah. marketing, marketing oh, goes it's behind it as well. Know, and what
0: yeah. I realised was that pretty much all processed foods have mm. added sugar okay. mm. and added vegetables. And uh, so, you know, I, I became very passionate about that. We started this campaign. We're, we're still going. You know, we're, we've got a schools program. We've got different bits and pieces. And then uh, and then I got approached to write a book and, uh, and I, by Penguin, the big uh, publishers, and... And my initial response was, no, the, the last thing the world needs is another diet book. And <laughs> there was about 500 in every bookshop, bookshop. But, but they, they convinced me. But they're me- all wrong.
1: They're all wrong. Well, Someone needed a, to write the truth.
0: That's true. <laughs> they convinced me that there, there were none by doctors and none by Australian doctors in particular and that I might be able to have an influence. And that's really what I was about. So I wrote this uh, this book, just wrote it pretty quickly, really, just started you writing think, and it all what's, sort what's of tumbled out. It's called A Fat Lot of Good. Okay, and uh, it's by Penguin, and uh, um, and it's it's sold incredibly well. i way beyond anyone's uh, thoughts and so on. So, so that was good. And then um, last year in uh, in lockdown, so the the elephant in the room, as far as all this sort of diet and and sugar and everything, is is diabetes, is type yeah. two diabetes, which I believe is the biggest single health issue in this country. Uh, there's over a million people diagnosed with type two diabetes. There's probably another half a million undiagnosed. There's a couple of a million who have Pre-diabetes, or develop diabetes if they don't do something about it. Wow. And it's the most common, you know, cause of uh, of blindness, of kidney disease, of cardiovascular disease, of amputations, of dementia. You know, the number one factor in all those diseases is if you have type two diabetes.
1: Shit, I had no idea.
0: And it's massive. You know, I mean, with due respect to our COVID friends, I mean, we shut the whole bloody country down for a, mm-hmm. something that's you know it's killed a thousand people, and you know I'm not diminishing that. You know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, here's a disease that's killing, you know, tens of thousands of people every year and causing, you know, amputations and, and you know… Uh,
2: Not doing anything about it.
0: Uh, uh, and, and no one's doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, come on, someone must be doing something. And eventually I thought, oh, stuff it, you know. Someone's got to do something. So we, uh, we developed a program, that, an app-based program called Defeat Diabetes, uh, which we launched in, uh, in January this year. And, um, yeah, basically uh, for a couple of bucks a day… You can uh, buy this app, and it's got all the information uh, you need. It's got videos, it's got articles, it's got recipes, it's got meal plans, it's got mm. cooking demos. It, you name it; it's got all the the weapons you need to sort of improve your your health. Not just if you have got diabetes, but just any sort of chronic disease, really. And um, and yeah, we've been really pleased with uh, with the uptake. That's I mean, um, and we we surveyed our first cohort. You know, the first group that uh, that did this, and. Uh, and, you know, the, the medical books always say that uh, diabetes, type 2 diabetes is a chronic progressive disease. You can't be cured. You've just got to sort of manage, manage it the best you can. Well, you know, 62% of our customers had put their diabetes into remission. Wow. So they were, they were in yeah. the
2: Evidence is there.
0: And um, they lost uh, an average of 7 kilograms in, in, uh, in 12 weeks. Mm. And uh, everyone who was on insulin – all The type 2 diabetics who were on insulin had got off insulin, and, and, uh, you know, the ones who hadn't put it into remission started up so high and we were, were heading down, heading down to, to the right areas. So, um, for a it couple works. of bucks
2: a day to look after your health. It works. And it- look,
0: it's, it, it, you know, we knew it would work because there are similar programs in mm. the UK and the US. We're not, you know, we're not suggesting again that we were the first to, to do that, but we thought let's have a, a program specifically for Australians, and there's some great recipes on there. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's really, uh, it's really effective. So we want to, you know, I guess we all, we all want to make a difference. You know, yeah. we all want to have an impact on, on society, leave and, a legacy, and, uh, and that's what I'm trying to do. And and I think this is a, you know, if we can get 100,000 people on this program, you know, we're probably going to save about five billion dollars to the taxpayer. Yeah. Wow, because the, the diabetes costs about 15 billion dollars a year. Wow, and, you know, the answer's there, but. Unfortunately, you know the medical profession and, and is so focused on drugs and surgery and so on that they 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 don't get it. It's you
3: know, left behind. Let's yeah, that, that, work a, on the prevention. What's causing it? Let's go back to well, the roots.
0: Well, that's right, and that's that's not big in medicine because there's no money in it.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <just> hate <laughs> that.
2: No money,
4: like. it, you know. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and
0: there's a there's there's two massive industries out there: the pharmaceutical industry mm. and the food industry. That are doing very well at the moment. Thank you very together. much. They yeah. work together. And, <laughs> on the, on the back and they work together. And they don't want things to change. Yeah. You know, and uh, and they're incredibly powerful. And we're the Incred- guinea pigs. Incredibly powerful. Mm. You know, and we're just one tiny little organisation. They've got millions of dollars to spend on uh, on, on on lobbying and uh, and politicians and. Uh, is there government know,
1: funding for like this for no. defeat diabetes, or this is you guys privately out there taking on the? Uh- Taking on the corporates, taking on the big big guys, yep. the industries. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's funded by uh, myself and a bunch of friends. Yeah, awesome. That's awesome. That's, that's crazy. crazy. And uh, you know, hopefully, eventually, we might get our money back. I doubt it. But anyway, we. <laughs> uh, but you know, that's that's not the important thing. I mean, uh, you know what what we want to see is is uh, saving is, lives, is results. Yeah, and uh, you know, you sort of you feel as though you bash your head against a brick wall, and then you. Then you get an email saying, you know, you know, you've changed my life. You know, this is uh, amazing and, you know, I'm, I'm no longer diabetic and I've lost, you know, 20 kilograms and, you know, oh, I just feel so much happier and healthier. and That's, and that's you know, the really, One of the really interesting things is uh, is mental health and, you know, people have never sort of thought about diet and mental health and there's evidence coming out everywhere now that uh, improving your diet can mm. be just as effective for your mental health, your anxiety, your depression, your... Uh, your you know post traumatic stress disorder and so on. I was in the uh, I was in the coffee queue at uh, at university recently, and a girl came up to me and said, "Dr. and I, I said, "Yeah, yeah." And she said, oh, "I enjoyed your lecture the other day." I said, "Oh, that's nice." She said, "Oh, but that's not what I want to talk to you about." I said, oh, "God, you know what have do I this? done here? You know that I swear right. in the lecture or you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And she said, "My husband and I are massive uh, cricket fans, and because of you, we uh, we changed our diet, and uh, we've been on this low carb diet." And I said, "Oh, that's great." And he said, "Yeah, my husband's been bipolar all his life." He's now off all his medication. and You've changed our lives. Wow. You know that's and, worth uh, it itself. You think, Whoa, you know, that's big. Um, that makes it all worthwhile. And you know, you only need a few of them, and uh, mm. you know, you, you you can make a difference. So, yeah, if anyone out there is has a you know has type two diabetes or has a family member, because what we're finding a lot of it is that. You know, it's younger people who are concerned about their parents. You know, and yep. um, and uh, have a look at uh, the website defeatdiabetes We'll, we'll
1: link that below as well in the description, so everyone. Yeah,
0: can, oh, that'll be great. And uh, as I said, we're not, uh, <laughs> we're not making any money out of it. We're losing a lot of money out of it, but um, you know, it's uh, it's there really to uh, to help people. I'm trying
1: that. to teach old dog new ch- old dogs new tricks with the with the parents, isn't it? Because the parents have just been yeah. ingrained uh, one uh, way. Of and, course and, they are. You know, and and, it's very
0: hard to change your habits. You know, at the yeah. age of fifty or sixty, which is the prime age for having you know type two diabetes and so on, but you know with support, you know particularly so family support. That's the the key that's to the it. Key. You know, I mean, if the whole family gets on this diet, then that makes it a lot easier, and it's good for everyone. It's not just for, for people with diabetes. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. it's, like Peter, it's, it's prevention. a prevention, prevention, yeah. just yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. But that's uh, as I said, that's not, not sexy prevention. You know, the, <laughs> the government talks about prevention, but they yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, but they don't uh, they don't put uh, any effort into it. So yeah, yeah.
3: oh that's super. Super interesting, Pete. Well, usually we sort of ask, you know, what are you, you know, what are you working on, what are you motivated on, but we've 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 (laughs) just heard it. We've (laughs) led into that and covered that, which is which is super exciting, guys. So get around those. Certainly making a difference, like you,
1: you know, you said one of your goals is to leave a mark and make a difference. I think there's no doubt there that you're doing that, Pete, which is awesome.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah, let's hope so. Anyway, but uh, yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me having me on and giving me a. Chance to waffle on and uh, has, no, no has some been, good nuggets there. Yeah,
3: it's been fantastic. There's a, there's definitely a lot in it, and and I think yeah, you've you've really been true to what you've believed in, you know, throughout throughout the journey. You've stood up for stood up for what's right, and you've gone and figured things out when they were there to be figured out, and um, you're putting it out there. So yeah, thanks, Pete. Ah, no, no pleasure. Awesome. Pleasure. Cheers, Get guys. No, very, very good. Well, uh, thanks for that, guys. Please like, share, subscribe, all that sort of stuff. I guess share this one especially with anyone that you think might get value out of it. There's plenty of value in that. And um, we'll see you next time. See you at the top.